Hello and welcome to episode 123 of the Reds Unrestricted podcast. I'm your host, David Comerford, and I'm joined by Dan Club and Chris Coughlin for our Keep Loan Sell 2023 edition. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So if you've been a long-time listener of the podcast, you'll know that in the last two March international breaks, we played a game called Keep Loan Sell. And it's pretty simple, kind of does what it says on the tin. We'll be going through Liverpool squad players, debating what we would do with them in the summer. And if we decide to sell the players, I'm going to ask Chris and Dan to give me a rough price tag that they take for the players and that'll give us an idea of how much Liverpool might be able to generate from sales and in a window where they're trying to afford probably the most expensive Premier League transfer ever that could obviously be crucial okay so here's the list of players that we're going to be looking at today um Keller the goalkeeper obviously Gomez Matip and Simakas in defense and then midfield slash attack, we've got Milner, Jones and Cavallio. And I might, depending on time, throw a couple of other intriguing ones the way of Dan and Chris too. But let's get straight into it then uh, with Kellera. And Chris, I see this as a fairly simple one, I'd say. I reckon it's a case of keep if he wants to stay. But if we're going to sell, then let's get a good price. What do you think? I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head there, to be honest. He is he's 24 years old now. He is a goalkeeper that would be a starting goalkeeper for around half of the teams in the Premier League, I think. Um, on the ball, brilliant. He's, he's never let Liverpool down when, when he's come in. Um, even when you look at, I remember, he played in the 5-5, didn't he? But you know, he was so young at that point. It was such a young team. You could barely pick any faults with anybody that day. And the way he's developed, the way he's become such a reliable backup to Allison, speaks testament to Kelleher. And it's a frustrating one because for the good of Liverpool, I think we'd all probably want Kelleher to stay because he's a fantastic number two. But for the good of his career, I've heard Shea Given talking about it he really has to consider moving on to become a first choice somewhere to really push on. And I know 24 is young for a goalkeeper, just look at Ben Foster, for example. Um, but for, for himself, he probably is starting to think, Alisson's not exactly old either, 29, going on 30. Yeah. Um, so for himself, he's probably starting to think this is the time that I'll have to leave Liverpool now. And it, it's sad, it's frustrating, but it's the reality of someone who I think could be a brilliant number one somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, you know, Klopp, the, the quote that always sticks in my mind is when Klopp called him the blonde Allison because he is literally, you know, in terms <laughs> of his distribution, his skill set, you know, he, he's got exactly what he wants for that number two. And I'd be happy to just keep him, you know, long-term and he's a brilliant option for Liverpool. But, you know, you've got to, Consider, I suppose, the the player's interest as well. And um, I, I do get the sense that he will look to leave this summer and then will obviously um, have to be replaced. Interestingly, Adrian is also out of contract as well. So it looks like he'll probably be leaving Liverpool. So Liverpool might need to look at a couple of goalkeepers in there. Dan, if we do sell Keller, I mean, I assume that you, you agree with us and feel free to 
come up with a different verdict on it if not but if we do sell Calero, what what kind of price tag would you be after because it's always difficult to judge with a, a backup goalkeeper i think it is yeah but at the same time we've got such a high quality one i can only sort of echo what both of you guys have said i think normally with a backup keeper it is hard to sort of put a price on him but we've seen quite a lot of kelleher obviously and we've seen him play an integral role in two domestic cup successes as well as many other brilliant exploits as well during his time at liverpool so i think we are looking at a for a backup goalkeeper, what I'd describe as a premium price, I would say around the 25 million mark, something like that. Um, he is still so young, like you make reference to, in terms of a goalkeeper especially. But yeah, I think he's superb. And I think it's a, it's unfortunate in many senses that Alisson is so good and is going to go on for so long because in almost any other era of Liverpool goalkeepers, we'd be looking at Kelleher and going, you're the man, Like, let's give you the number one shirt. You, it, like, for instance, when Danny Ward was kind of waiting in line, if Danny Ward was Kelleher or Kelleher was Danny Ward, rather, you'd almost go, absolutely, let's just do it with him because he's brilliant. Um, I'm a huge fan, but like you guys have both said, I think... He's going to be the one to kind of push the button on this and say, I want to leave. But also on the flip side, I'd like to add that we haven't been great at selling in recent years. I think it's fair to say um, this is an opportunity now for Liverpool. You make reference to it, Dave, in terms of what we need to do in the summer. Part of that is going to have to be generated by sales. Now, unfortunately, as much as we'd all love Callagher to kind of stick around and play in the Cups, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, there's probably about 25 million quid sat there and I think we might need it. So I think, unfortunately, we might have to sell him. Yeah, I saw a report the other day that um that there was a goalkeeper um and they called Verbrugen yeah. um plays in um the Belgian league and I think there was a Musa price tag of about ten million there and you think to yourself if you can kind of sell Calera, bring in a replacement for for that kind of fee, you know, one of the kind of um, diamond in the rough job, then really yeah you're making like a 15 million profit there, I suppose. I mean, 25 million, I, I completely agree with. I mean, that was the price I had down. I think, you know, not only is he 24, he, he's won a final. He's definitely kind of Premier League standard. I mean, I look at the other goalkeeper in Ireland's um, in contention for Ireland in Bizzuno, and honestly, he's making a mistake every week um, yeah. for, for Southampton. So I, I definitely think that he could be a, a top flight starting goalkeeper. I think there's no doubts about that at this stage. And crucially as well, I was just checking there, he's homegrown. So that obviously helps with, with that quota, which is going to pad his value out nicely. So I think about 25, and you're absolutely right, Dan, about, um, you know, Liverpool are going to have to improve their selling operation because it used to be something they prided themselves on, but it's kind of declined a bit in the past couple of years. So for Keller, we'll say, obviously, you know, we, we'd, we'd like to keep him, but, but we've sort of said that, if we are to sell, and it, it might well be the case that we do, it'll be in the region of about 25 million. So let's move on to our second player then. Um, might be a little bit of split opinion on this one. Joe Gomez, I'll come straight back to you, Dan. Yeah, I think there might be a little bit of split opinion on this one, potentially. Not just amongst us three, by the way, but amongst the, uh, the listeners and viewers even. Um for me, I put keep. Um, I undernard with this one probably more than the others, if I'm going to be brutally honest. Now, I've been as frustrated and as critical of Joe Gomez as anyone, not just this season, but beforehand as well. I think I think he's actually had one injury too many. I think I've said it before on different things. I think his mindset, I think he's too concerned about injuries now a lot of the time. And for me, when he starts games of football, I'm not the first one to say this, by the way, if the first thing he does doesn't go well, he pretty much capitulates mm. from there on out, and that's a huge concern. However, having said all of that, 
I think if you are going to keep him, he adds that homegrown quota that you've already mentioned. He's probably Liverpool homegrown as well, I'd imagine by now, having signed him so young. So he's like double impact on that front. He's 25 still, so there's still time there. And I know we've seen him have some horrors this season. We really have. And like I've already mentioned the injuries and stuff like that. But 25 is still young. He's young enough to sort of turn that around and get back to something like his best. And also, it's the right back thing for me. It's the fact he can cover a right back as well. That's the big one. I think if he, if you're looking at a world whereby Joe Gomez is your second stroke third choice right back when Calvin Ramsey's around, and he's your fourth choice centre back, I can really live with that world. Like that's absolutely fine. I'm more concerned when he's kind of bumped up that ladder a little bit. If he suddenly has to play alongside Van Dijk for a while and Trent's out injured, we've got a problem. But if we can live in that first scenario, I think Joe Gomez staying isn't the worst thing ever. Yeah, I think the right-back thing is really interesting because obviously Ramsey's missed this whole season. And I don't think Liverpool will, will go out and sign another one. I mean, that, that would kind of negate the whole point of that deal for Ramsey last year. So it's like, you know, Ramsey still probably won't be ready to step into that role kind of from the off next season. And, and if Milner isn't here, and we'll come on to Milner shortly, obviously. But if he isn't here, then you will need Gomez to to be that kind of primary backup in that position for, for a period. So that's definitely a consideration. For me, I've also gone with keep and it ties in with the the verdict that I've put on the other centre-back, not, not to, um, to, to spoil that one at all. But um, the thing is, you know, I, I'm on the other lines to you, Dan, I think. I'm tempted to say you're not going to get a better fourth-choice centre-back, but this season there probably have been. But you know, better options because similar to you, I think Gomez is either a, a two, three out of ten, or a sort of an eight out of ten, maybe sometimes even a nine. And he just needs to be a consistent six or seven in that position, really. Um, Chris, I mean, what 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 are your thoughts on this? Obviously, you've already been outvoted anyway, but um, <laughs> I, I just I just wonder as well. You know, obviously with Calder, we talked about he wants to take the next step for his career. Could there be a little bit of kind of pushing from Gomez maybe to to you know get a better role somewhere else? I do think so. Um you saw, especially when Gerard was at Aston Villa, the links that Gomez had with Aston Villa in terms of the the, the um, rumored interest um from, from the Midlands. Um a lot of what you guys have said I agree with. I mean, for example, Manchester City at Anfield was one of Joe Gomez's best games in Liverpool shirt, I feel. And then you look at some of the games since, and it's almost like he's never played in the Premier League before. Um, incredibly frustrating, because I think if you go back to if you go back to 2018-19 at the start of that season, there's the image of after the two-one win at Spurs at Wembley, Van Dijk and Gomez with their arms around each other, like you know like roaring at the away end. And you kind of felt that was a, a really growing partnership. And Gomez got injured against Burnley that year. And I, I, as, along with what Dan said, I don't think he's really recovered from that kind of knock. And then he's never really been able to establish himself after that. The emergence of Canate, of course. My verdict, again, um, Dave, without... Saying too much, I think it agree. I agree with you on what we're going to say okay. about Joe Matip, because that's what makes me think. 
I don't effectively spoilers. I don't want to leaving, to yeah. be honest. Um, and with, with regards to the right back role, it, it's a frustrating one because with, with Ramsey, I've, I've said it's almost like his body's been shocked into thinking, you know, I've come down from Scotland, I've been put into this training routine, I've never experienced it before, and his body's just gone. Oh, we need to chill here. That's why some so many injuries have, have, have come for him. Um, and Joe Gomez has undoubtedly got his qualities, but he's got a lot of falters as well. And I think one thing that's kind of sticking in my mind as well is that the contract he signed last year, um, I'm, not, I'm not maybe not the biggest fan of like change of squad numbers, but of course changing to, to, to number two um, makes you think that in Klopp's eyes at least, he's got a part to play for a reasonable amount of time. Um, so I am going to side with keep but it's by no means clear-cut. Yeah, I think um, the one, the fact that that will have as well, that contract is um, obviously protecting his, his transfer value as well if Liverpool did choose to sell. But yeah, Joel Matip next. Um, obviously, it, it's, already, <coughs> it's already clear that, that both of us have decided that, <laughs> that we'd sell Joel Matip. So, so why would you sell, Chris, and what kind of money would you want? It's with a heavy heart, I want to say, first of all. Because Joe Gomez, sorry, Joe Gomez, we're moving on. Joel Matip is one of the best signings Klopp's made at Liverpool, I think. He's been underrated in terms of his ability for so long. Um, you know, We all love those marauding, unpredictable runs from the back and the, the underrated quality that he has with his feet. But this year, from the very first day against Fulham, I don't know where the real Joe. I don't know where the real Joe Matip's been. Um, it's been really frustrating because last year, you know, when he came in, he was again brilliant. Um, but this year, again, with, with the emergence of Kanate, um, Matip's injuries coming back as well. Because last year, I I did a press conference with Jurgen Klopp. I think partway through the season, I said to him, Joe Matip, last year at a certain point. Um, he went on to obviously break, break this. By the time that was, uh, I mentioned it to Klopp, he played 25 games that season, which was more than the last two campaigns combined. So last year, his injuries just seemed to free up and he was brilliant throughout. This year, it's just gone, it's, it's reverted to type. And we haven't, we haven't been able to see a consistent Joe Matip. Um, we've seen moments, of course, you know, the, the, the winner against Ajax, for example, and we have seen performances from that, that show what John Matip's capable of, but we haven't seen it enough. He's the wrong side of 30 now as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't get me wrong, Virgil van Dijk is the wrong side of 30. But I just think John Matip, again, I think he could go and have a, a really good end to his career somewhere else. Um, I think one player that we didn't, haven't really mentioned, of course, you know, Nat Phillips as well. He's got a few years left on his contract if you talk about centre-backs here. Um, so he's maybe got a bit more value to, to keep in the future than John Matip. If you're looking at a transfer fee, I think you probably could ask for around maybe 10 to 15. I'm, I'm, I'm going to push towards 15 because I do think the quality is still there. It's just I, I, I'm just not sure where John Matip that we all know is there has, has been this season. Yeah, I have um, 10 to 15 down as well. I'm not sure how easy that's going to be. I mean... The thing with Matip is obviously his contract is expiring next summer. So yeah. this is your last opportunity to sell. Um, Which will be it's more towards 10 that then, isn't it? Really? Yeah, well. I, I think so. I think, you know, in terms of 
properly estimating the market maybe sometimes even on these podcasts that we've done for the last couple of years we maybe overestimated it a bit so it, it might be more of a 10 than a 15 or, or, or a 12.5 or something like that but I just think you know you mentioned the injuries there for so long Matip was able to just walk back into the side and it looked like he hadn't he, he just hadn't had these injuries and it's like it almost defied logic because, you know, you look at Gomez, that's a player who has clearly been affected by a sequence of injuries, Oxlade-Chamberlain too. Um, but with Matip, his performance levels just went, he was just able to come back in and switch it back on. But I think this year he looks like it's caught up with him. I don't know if that is what's happening, um, whether that's too simple a narrative, but it, it's been the poorest kind of Joel Matip season I can remember. I think the, the, the really tough sequence for him was when Van Dyke got injured. Um, and he was in there, and he just looked really exposed and all over the place. Um, to be fair, and yeah, I think he's had a um, a really difficult season. And there's there's whispers that the club are going to look to sell him anyway. And and for me, that that would be uh, the right decision. But that Dan, what what do you think on Massive? Yeah, I, I fall down on sell as well. Um, I on, on what Chris said, really, the same sort of reasoning. Um, because I think you've either got to sell him now. If Liverpool are going to get better at selling footballers, which is like you touched on earlier, we have been good at previously. If we are going to get better at that, you have to sell him now. Because otherwise, you've got to give him a new contract. And that's like the last thing we want to do. Because letting him go for free would just be another oversight, from our, in my opinion. Like we let, we did it with Wijnaldum. You know, we're doing it with Roberto Firmino as well, by the looks of things, this summer. So we need to stop doing that with valuable commodities and assets and footballers. Um, so I think if we're smart, we'd sell Joel Matip this summer because you are still going to get that 10, 12 million, which isn't game-changing when it comes to the transfer market, but it does give you a little bit more wiggle room in what you can and can't do when you are chasing players. Um, the only sort of, the only caveat I've got to selling him is that it's already a ridiculously busy summer. There's already a huge overhaul that's needed. So removing that bit of continuity in the back line of Matip being around does give you another headache because I don't see Nat Phillips stepping into that breach personally. I think he's probably going to move on as well. Um, so we'll have to go and sign one. But outside of that, I think I think the time's come to let Joel Matip go personally. I think, like I say, you're not going to give him a new deal. You don't just want to see another potential 10, 50 million pound footballer wind down his contract and leave for nothing in 12 months time. That just seems ludicrous to me. So yeah, I am with you guys on that one. Swap deal for swap deal for Guardiola seems fair, doesn't yeah. it? Seems fair. Well he's yeah. got yeah, he's got the <laughs> Bundesliga experience. But I think, you know, interesting that you mentioned Guardiola being obviously probably going to be out of Liverpool's price range, but it would be good to see Liverpool bring in kind of a another can I say mold really kind of a young um sort of elite talent in that centre-back position, someone who is going to be more available, first of all. Um, Gomez and Matip have been and maybe a bit more reliable in terms of performances. And the challenge for Liverpool is to find someone, I guess, who's in that same, can I say, price bracket as well, because um, you look at some of the, the price tags being you know banded about for um, young centre-backs these days, and it's almost kind of twice that amount. So um, it's going to be going to be a tough one, but probably important based on what we've seen so far this season. Um, let's move on to the fourth player out of the seven in Costas Simakas. Um, Dan, let's come to you first on him. Yeah, I've gone with Keep on Simakas. Um, my, my only real reservation stroke concern on this one is him. I, I've, got, I've had this nagging feeling for quite a number of months now that at some point he's going to turn around and say, I need to play football. I need to go somewhere and play regular football because we've seen him step into the breach. And I, I was critical of him 
earlier on the season when Robertson was out for a prolonged period of time. I felt like Simicast never truly grabbed the shirt and I wanted him to because we all know how good he is. We all know the qualities he has. I think he's better than Robertson in certain departments, set pieces probably being the main one when it comes to that. But I really wanted him to use that four or five match run and say, I don't care when Andy Robertson's back fit again, I'm staying. And he didn't. He kind of flattered to deceive in that sense. So that was disappointing. However, I don't, again, come back to my point on not having more headaches. If we do sell Costa Simicast, we need to go find a backup left back, which is really frustrating. Like, it's not a situation we want to be in. We've got so much work to do in the midfield department and potentially the centre back department. Then having a new sporting director as well to find a new left back just seems mental to me. So I would keep him. However, I would also caveat that by saying I am concerned that Simicast will look at his age now, his age profile, where he's at in his career, look at how good Robertson is and go, I need to go and play football somewhere. Yeah, the, the thing with the Simicast signer was that he, he, he wasn't ever kind of a long-term successor because the age gap isn't, isn't big enough for that to happen. And, you know, if players do make career plans, I wonder if, you know, this is his, his third season at Liverpool. I wonder if the plan we, he made with his agent was like, Look, you know, Robertson is there, but let's go there. You know, let's boost our profile, take our opportunities for three seasons, and then there will be kind of a Champions League level club in in Europe's top five leagues that that takes a you know takes a punt to us as a starter. So that's definitely a possibility. I've gone with keep. I see it as pretty much identical situation to Calera. To be fair, perfect backup. It's just a case of you know, can, can you keep him happy? Um, and and hopefully we can do that because he does seem like someone who. You look at certain players who are important in terms of the the mood, the culture, really, on the training ground, and he does seem that, and he he, he seems outwardly to be fairly happy. But obviously, you know, he will have his own career aspirations as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But Chris, yeah, final word on Simicast. Yeah, uh, pretty straightforward for me. Keep, of course, I, I do think he's got a lot of quality, especially as a backup. Um, it's just whether, as you say he feels that he can progress his career somewhere else. I think you look at the academy lads like of Owen Beck, not really ready to, to make that step up as a backup yet, um, with all due respect to them. And ultimately, I think more often than not, when he comes in, he, he really shows himself in, in a really good light. So for me, yeah, pretty short and sweet for me. Keep Costas Simakas and uh, you know, he seems happy. So fingers crossed it stays that way. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and we'll move on to the last few players in a second. Before that, um, if you're listening to the podcast on Spotify and you're enjoying it, uh, please follow the podcast and give us a five-star review. That'd be much appreciated. And if you're listening on Apple, if you can if you can leave a positive review there as well, um, we'd be very grateful. And remember that if you have any questions or comments, you can email those to redzomestrictorpodcast at gmail.com. But yeah, let's move on to these last three. Like I said, um, we're into midfield now. So we're going to start with James Milner. And Milner's a bit of a funny one with this because, I mean, first off, I left out Casey and Oxley Chamberlain because I think they're already gone. Um, and I don't need to be too much pushback on that, sadly. Milner, you can't sell him, obviously, because he's at the end of his contract. So really, it's a, a case of keep or let him go. So, Chris, what would you do? Oh, it's tough. It's tough. Um, if he is kept on, it needs to be the case that he just doesn't play as much football or starts less games. I think that's fair to say, because James Milner's role should now be midfield enforcer coming on late on in a game to shore up wins, shore up results. He's started too many games this year, but that's a counter, that, that is an effect of the situation in midfield. 
Ultimately, I would have no problem with keeping James Milner. As I say, as long as his importance in terms of starts decreases, because that's where you need the more bodies in midfield. You need the higher quality starters. And James Milner's a Liverpool legend. Um, keeping him, I don't think, would fall into the argument of sentimentality that could be labelled at other players, because I think it'd be a smart piece of business. And he said, even though he's a massive Leeds fan, he said that he sees Liverpool as his club, given that he spent the most time here in his career. Um, so for me, it's keep, because as well, I think his experience could be so valuable to younger players, like likes of Harvey Elliott, um, other players that maybe come in in the summer and just general around the squad. I think he's just incredible for that. Um, but as long as the midfield and forces are come in, come in to mean that he takes a step back in terms of starts, which I'm sure someone like James Milner would fully appreciate. Yeah, I mean, I agree with every word you said there, I think. Oh, thank you. I think, I think, I think Klopp, Klopp wants to keep him. So, you know, from that point of view, I'm happy to. When when he's when when a 37 year old player or 36 or whatever old he was last summer signs a new a new contract and it's one year and it's on reduced terms, you don't expect him to play anywhere near as much as Milner has this season, and that's a reflection, like you say, Chris, of Liverpool's poor squad planning in midfield. So if he is to stay, you know, let him just be playing kind of cup games, um, kind of coming on occasionally in the league, but certainly with much less responsibility, and then you may be rel- relying more on his kind of um training ground presence um but yeah i wouldn't mind giving him one more year as long as we're not reliant on him essentially dan milner yeah um very much what you said actually dave um in terms of in terms of milner yeah i, I would keep him around more for what he offers behind the scenes as opposed to sort of front facing on the pitch um and i'd actually be inclined to go a little bit further than chris and say i don't really want to see him coming on at the end of games and being that midfield of force, I'll be dead honest about it. I just don't. I, I think we should move beyond that, even. And I, I, I appreciate and agree with every single point you make about he started too many football matches this season. I'd go, like I say, I'd go even further and say I don't want to see him kick a ball in the Premier League really in anger next year. To be perfectly honest about it, I think we should be beyond that point now. But in terms of him staying around, in terms of him signing a new contract, playing cup games, being that shoulder to lean on for the likes of Harvey Elliott and others, even the lads who come in this summer, I think that's cri- crucial. I think it's pivotal because we are going to see a big change this summer. The likes of Firmino, who've already mentioned, is going to leave. You need them sort of key components around still, the ones who can pass on the message. And Because Jurgen Klopp is clearly a, a, a crucial part of this, but you need a James Milner to then also go away. After Klopp's done his bit, you need Milner to take away the other lads and go, oh, he didn't really mean that. This is what he means. He passes that message on brilliantly, that sort of thing. I think that's so, so important. Um, so yeah, I'd keep Milner, absolutely I'd keep James Milner, but like I said, I think cup games and very, very occasionally the Premier League, but outside of that, I don't want to see him playing much footy. Yeah, as well, you know, if Milner feels that he can still start elsewhere for another Prem side, then maybe he won't sign a new deal even if offered one, but um, based on what you say there, Dan, you could argue that the best option for him would be to just kind of take that extra year if it was available to him. Um, at Anfield, but onto the penultimate player now, and and I reckon the next two are probably two of the most intriguing players in the list. The first is, is Curtis Jones, so I'll throw it straight back to you, Dan. Yeah, um, this wasn't an easy one to be honest with you, because Chris used the word uh, sentimentality before, and there is a little bit of this in this one for me because we all want him to succeed so badly. Obviously, he's a local lad, come through the academy. 
Like we want him to succeed more than most players in this squad right now. Um, I just don't know if he is. If I'm being brutally honest, I don't think he's going to. Um, he's 22 now. He's made 12 appearances this season, and they have been fleeting at best. He completed 90 minutes once, and that was in that Forest away game. Now, I'm not holding him accountable for what happened and not going to Forest away, but if you are going to play one 90 minutes, it's not a great one to be involved in. Um, I just, my main concern with him, and the thing I can't get out of my head, actually, is the fact that, obviously, it's never really happened for him. He's never been able to sort of nail down a spot in the side. That's one thing. But it's these, it's the injuries, it's the bizarre injuries, and it's the fact that the injuries now mean it's almost like a Ledley King situation. If you guys remember that, it's like we can't train that much, you can't play that much football. It's like, I mean, Ledley King was of a level whereby you could get away with that. You could just play centre half for Tottenham on a Saturday. That was fine. That isn't Curtis Jones. He isn't there. Um, so yeah, I think with someone like Jones, if he was going to make it, he'd have to be working his socks off now, training hard, playing all the time. He can't do it. He physically can't do that. So, unfortunately for me, as you could imagine, after all that, I fall down on sale because I don't know if it's ever going to happen for him at Liverpool. And I think you probably need to cash in right now because if you don't, you probably get nothing mm. for him in the end. Yeah, that's a, that, that last point is um, particularly important, I think. I mean... The injuries thing is, is something that I think a lot of people have overlooked because you know he isn't you know that significant a player. So sometimes you do just kind of forget that he's not there. But it has it has been really you know bad for him. And you're sort of reluctant to be selling kind of a young midfield assets given the position Liverpool are in. But I think given the kind of money you can get for a player who is still very young, who's English, homegrown. You know, we know how much that these things inflate price tags, not only because of obviously the homegrown quota, but I think as well in terms of players who are English inherently have kind of a, a higher stock um, within like the media and that kind of affects their value too. So I reckon you can be looking at, I mean, I don't know what you thought on this, Dan, but I was quite ambitious with the kind of price tag. I was thinking the 25 million range for Jones. Um, I, don't, which I don't think you get that. I just obviously think, disagree with. Yeah, no, unfortunately, I don't think you get that. I take all your points on board about the English side of things. He's come through an English academy, a very good one at Liverpool, obviously. There are factors that bump it up. I just don't think they bump it up. He hasn't got the wealth of football behind him to mm. justify that price tag, in my opinion. Um, and like I say, he's already 22. I'd love nothing more, especially with all our midfield headaches, to sort of say, oh, no, it's all right. We can rely on Curtis Jones. He just can't simply mm. can't and it's a big shame it's frustrating it's all of the above um however for me i had 15 million mm. and if you get closer to 20 happy days right well we'll put we'll put 20 on our on our list then um as a middle ground between those well, chris two. might have chris might have it <laughs> yeah that, that's <laughs> we'll um we'll come to come to you in a second on that chris um but i think one other thing i would say and you know it's fair enough in terms of he's not played that much football but he did only sign a new contract, I think, last autumn as well. So you're looking at a player who's got a lot of years left and granted £25 you're looking to con someone for that. You're looking to, you know, one one of those clubs where it's like their fans are just like, why have we just paid £25 for Curtis Jones? But, like, there there are some owners in the... um, the Premier League can be a little bit rash like yeah, that. I should so. say, I should say before we move to Chris as well, I, I feel like I've been really negative about Curtis Jones because I was, but he's got loads of ability. Like mm. I, he's got absolutely tons, and so I'm not questioning his ability one iota here. I'm really not. It's just for Liverpool right now and what he's done and what it looks like he's capable of doing in terms of game time. That's where I fall down on it. And here's what it comes down to for me: his first Premier League goal 
Okay, I think which which I think I might be wrong on this. Aston Villa, Aston Villa in, in yeah. lockdown, and then obviously prior to that, that kind of amazing goal against Everton in that derby win, that was I'm fairly sure more than three years ago now, and what has what progress seriously has he made since? How many kind of has he had ten really good performances since then? I, I you know I don't think so. Sadly, I I think he's been too stagnant, and when you're looking at a young player who makes that kind of leap into being a first teamer. You know, he does have kind of that trajectory. I just don't see it with Jones, to be honest. But yeah, Chris, I'll, we'll finally bring you in on this one. This is this is another tough one for me. And there's a few points that you guys have made that are good ones that I want to pick up on, actually. Um, first, of, like the the goal against Everton. Looking back on it, not just because it's a very similar kind of goal, I was there in the main stand that day and you kind of thought it was like a Wayne Rooney moment for the lad. The way he curled into the top corner for his, his hometown team, it, it, it just it felt like a kind of star in the making kind of story. And as you say, the progress from that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of his main features, of course, Champions League winner against Ajax, the goal away to Brentford. Um, but it, it's been able to establish himself as well because the, the Nottingham Forest game you mentioned, Dan, he wasn't even meant to start that game. It was Thiago up until Thiago had a, had a bug overnight. So Curtis Jones, the only game that he's the season that he's completed ninety minutes, and he wasn't even meant to start. Yeah. So that tells its own story. Yeah. Um, and again, he's someone that I want to try and keep the faith with. And it, it's you know in the world of social media that we live in, of course, a lot of people might give their own opinions of Curtis Jones. And one that I saw recently, kind of doing the rounds, was someone making up a tweet saying. You know, Curtis Jones is set to play a crucial part for Liverpool next season, quote, June 2023 or something like that. And I think it's sad that he's kind of become that a little bit with parts of the fan base. Maybe the butt of jokes, if you want to call it mm-hmm. that. Um, I, I so I so want to say keep because I, I just think there's I do think there's something there, but it, it's it's giving him that game time. It's getting him those games because after the midfield incomings that we all hope will happen this season, there then becomes an element of concern. I mean, unless it's performance based, which by all means brilliant, but you wouldn't expect Curtis Jones to be a starter for Liverpool next season. After the summer, after what we're all kind of envisaging in our head, that's the key thing here. A squad player, I, I, I'm just kind of reluctant to get rid of midfielders, to be honest with you. At this stage, given <laughs> yeah. what we've been through this season, um, I am genuinely kind of 50 50 on this 50 50 slash maybe 51 49. It's really, really difficult for me to call this. Mm. Um, just for the just just for the sake, well, you know, let's have a split decision on this podcast. I am just about going to say keep, just because I, it's it's difficult for me to let go of Curtis Jones. But again, probably last chance saloon, just given mm. the requirements that I needed at the moment. Well, I did say that that Jones would, would be one that could potentially split opinion and would be one of the more intriguing ones, and it certainly has certainly proved to be uh, the case. The final one is a player who's a similar age to Jones, Fabio Carvalho. Obviously joined from Fulham last summer only. Started really well and has been, has vanished practically ever since the World Cup. So, Chris, um, I'll let you go first on Carvalho. 
Far be it for me to question Jurgen Klopp because the man is where he is because he knows lots about like, much more about football than me. But I just thought it was kind of cruel how he brought Carvalho on at the Bernabeu. I don't know if we ever got an explanation for that. Yeah, there was um, nine seconds left. Apparently, I was I checked it the other day. Yeah, it just that did. I, I remember because it was during the VAR review, wasn't it? And he came on, and I remember seeing the TV and thinking, "What? <laughs> just what? It's not even yeah. a case of saying, oh, go and have a few minutes at the Bernabeu.' As you mm. say, nine seconds. The only sorry to interrupt, but the only I thought go. I had on that, and it's I don't have any basis for this. Is I wonder if he's got like a appearance bonus or Champions yeah. League appearance bonus in his contract. And Klopp was like, Go on, I'll throw you one so you can get that. But that is me kind of looking at it from a very sort of favorable standpoint. It could, like you say, have just yeah. been a, you know, a, a little bit maybe you mean disrespectful might be a bit far, but it, it, it wasn't certainly great if there wasn't any kind of positive motivation in it. It was just a bit bizarre for me. I mean, you throw back to August, goals against Bournemouth and Newcastle, then he gets the start against Everton in September. And you're thinking, you know, he's, he's really making quite a good start here, uh, Fabio Carvalho. But the key was last season for Fulham, he was the main man. He was the main man in a, che- in a team that absolutely romped the championship, scoring and contributing to, to goals for fun. Key to this is that he had a designated role mm-hmm. in the number 10 position, which Liverpool don't play with at the moment. That's a key thing to say. And when he's played out on the left wing, things look a little bit lost, to be mm. honest with you, at times. Um, of course, his minutes have just plummeted. Um, uh, Klopp's been asked about him as well, hasn't he? And, and he said, look, there, there genuinely isn't an issue with Fabio Carvalho. And I don't look at Fabio Carvalho and think that he's someone that would cause problems, to be honest. But I just think he's a young lad that, that wants to play football. I'll say right now, I'm saying keep. But if there's an option of a loan, that might that's that's a distinct possibility for me because we on the forward options Salah, Jota, Nunez, Diaz, and Gakpo. Where Fabio Carvalho gets minutes within those five, I don't really know, especially if a number ten role isn't created in the team. Hmm. And he's someone who I, I just I think he's got bundles of potential. I loved watching him for Fulham. I thought he was brilliant, and I want him to harness that and if that means alone we've seen you know, players go away have, have brilliant loans and come back and, and, and do very well um, I think a loan is, is probably the main option for him because again I don't want to see his development stunted um, and that, that's the main frustration with, with Fabio Carvalho and I think I think he'd be a very good player in the future but I want him to get minutes in the here and now and if that means away from Liverpool for a season I'd be okay with that but again, it, it, it's a big kind of summer for him as well, um, in terms of preseason and everything. Because I don't see him, I don't see him contributing much for the rest of the season, unfortunately. Mm. But by no means would I be looking to sell Fabio Carvalho in the summer. Yeah, I think I've gone with loan as well, um, on the basis that I don't know if this is too reductive, but when he plays in midfield, my main concern is that he just doesn't look like he's strong enough to to, to cope at this level. So loan him to another Premier League club, let him you know develop physically. And I worry that sometimes that they sign, because you mentioned the number 10 thing, Liverpool not playing one. Obviously, you want them to adapt, but was there an element of thinking, we've got this player who would have cost maybe 20 million if he hadn't been out of contract, yeah. and we really like him. And then have you kind of jumped at that chance without really thinking too much about how you're actually going to accommodate him, whether it's the best fit, um, obviously given the system you play, 
and uh, um, was there maybe a calculation of you know it, you know say we, we do get him we can give him some minutes we can loan him out and then we can turn a, a pretty big profit on him you know the, the cynic and you wonders if that was um if that was part of it but yeah i, I think i think loan with Cavallo wouldn't entertain selling him but i do wonder if when it comes down to it liverpool will adapt to players like him or whether he'll be expected to adapt to Liverpool and, and whether he'll be able to do that. But, but yeah, Dan, um, over to you to finish off. Yeah, he's a fascinating one, Carvalho. I, I'm a huge fan of his, to be honest. I really like him. He's a technically very good player. Um, in a similar mould to Harvey Elliott, actually, on the opposite side, I think I mean, we might try and convert him into that midfielder, that sort of attacking eight. But there's also a possibility that we do start playing more of a 10. I think we have the forward options available to us now. The 4 2 3 1 could become more of a factor. And then within that, Carvalho can kind of play two of the roles. He can play the left-sided one or the actual 10 itself. So, I think mean, that's a possibility for next season. I think we'll see much more of Carvalho if that was to be the case. Um, but, yeah, I also think I actually will keep stroke alone. I think a lot of it will depend on Curtis Jones because he's kind of similar to him as well in terms of positions. If we were to keep Curtis Jones around, you'd almost loan Fabio Carvalho out on the back of that because he's a little bit older, you'd expect more from Jones, he's learnt the system a little bit more etc, etc, however if Jones goes, I mean you have to keep Carvalho around, um, I do think he'd benefit from a loan, I think you've both made the point if it was a Premier League loan especially he'd get a little bit stronger, he'd adapt more he'd physically sort of develop more because he is still so young obviously um, and I think he'd come back in a similar mould to Harvey Elliott again after his time at Blackburn, I think that would be a real positive for him, but yeah like I say I'm a huge Carvalho fan uh, I get your point Dave in terms of trying to spin a profit on him, I don't think that's out of the realms of possibility whatsoever to be honest because it would be shrewd business were that to be the case, however I do think we saw a player in him and I think maybe it's with one eye to develop in the system. I think we are trying to move away eventually from that 4-3-3 or have options, have more strings to our bow anyway. Mm. And a player like Carvalho, who is so versatile, can do a job in a midfield three, can play left wing, does play a 10 really well and probably at a stretch could play that false nine at a stretch, by the way. I think having someone like that in your squad is a huge plus. So for me, I'd keep him around, but there's a lot of work to be done. It's a big old pre-season for him coming up, is what I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. And um, he needs that little... You, you remember when um, when Bayern came back, I think, from lockdown a couple of years ago and, and all their players were, were twice the size that, that they were beforehand. <laughs> It'd be, be good if he could um, maybe replicate that sort of Goretzka process. But yeah, let's run through then the, the players that we've done today. Um, so Keller, we sort of said... Um, it, it was kind of between keep and sell in the sense that we want to keep him, but it might be a good idea to sell him. So we will say sell on that. And we had 25 million there. Gomez, we'd keep him. Matip, we'd sell for 10, 15 million. Simicas, we'd keep. Um, James Milner, we'd keep as well. Give him another one-year deal. Curtis Jones was sell um, and for, for a sort of average of 20 million. And Cavalio was kind of keep slash loan out, like depending probably on what happens with Jones. So if we just get like a rough price tag based on those, I'm calculating it because I can't do maths. So that would be, if you take the average of the, the Matip um, money, so 12.5, that's 57.5 million from those players. And you're looking at, a, you know, probably one, um, you can either put that towards Bellingham or you can use that to bring in, you know, an elite young midfield talent and have money to spare probably. So this that once again the, the same conclusion we come to at the end of these episodes. 
sell effectively and you really can inflate your transfer budget, which is obviously going to be crucial for Liverpool. But thanks very much, Chris and Dan. If you've been watching this podcast on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like the video and leave a comment as well if you enjoyed it. And we'll be back uh, next week for another podcast. But until then, take care.